You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and a series of guests. And this morning, I've got somebody who I admire greatly, who actually was on the podcast about a year or 18 months ago, and that's Jane Scotter from Fern Vero. For those of you who didn't hear her last time, Jane has the most incredible vegetable and flower production system in Herefordshire at Fern Vero, and she's written a wonderful book. And she basically supplies two places which are very dear to my heart. One is Spring Restaurant in Somerset House in central London, just next to Charing Cross Station, which is why it's lovely for me, because that's where where I get the train to Charing Cross. And the second is Heckfield Place, which is the most incredibly luxurious and extraordinary hotel, which has biodynamics as its basis of production. And that's why... Jane is is central to that place because she steers the biodynamics and organic growing of all the produce that they use there, whether it be the the salads, the herbs and the cut flowers. So welcome, Jane. It's lovely to have you back. Thank you. And the reason that I've asked Jane to come back onto the podcast is that she's about to release a really fantastic course with Create Academy who are another set of people that I admire a a huge amount. And if you want to do online gardening courses or design or interiors or whatever, I really feel that their quality of film and editing and the quality of their teachers are really exceptional. And Jane is one of those. And she's got uh, a course just coming out on biodynamics and organic growing of vegetables. And The whole thing about biodynamics is quite sort of, some people find it a bit witchy, but that's one of the things that I want Jane to talk to us about because what it does is grow the most exceptionally tasty vegetables incredibly efficiently. And actually we had David, who's the head grower, the head market gardener at Hetfield on the podcast too, a while ago. So I wanted to chat to Jane uh, as part of our 12 best series So it's really the vegetables that she feels, the edibles that she feels are at the forefront of her mind as we turn from winter into the very early starts of spring. Yeah, great. Well, firstly, I just wanted to uh, tell you that I'm, I am now the (laughs) head grower at Techfield Place as well, running Fern Ferry. David Rowley's um, not here any longer. So I'm, I'm running the two businesses sort of uh, half a week here and half a week. Back in Herefordshire. So um, Gosh, there's yeah. an awful lot in my mind at the moment um, for both farms and to, to take that along. So, yeah, just to sort of make that clear. So Heckfield Park Farm is the name of the farm at Heckfield Place. Yes. Yeah, where we, it's a very similar setup because Sky Gingell is the creative director here, culinary director here, and, and she also owns Spring Restaurant. So we work very closely on varieties and uh, you know, her food. Uh, and so everything that's both from Heckfield and from Fern Barrow is based on Sky's style of cooking. Yes, uh, which is, of course, absolutely exceptional and puts uh, vegetables and, and sort of produce 
are absolutely central to the plate. It certainly does. And she just likes to show off that vegetable, yeah. show off all the best parts of it. So quite often that, that, that kind of dressing or the treatment of that vegetable is very simple. And that's her signature really is understanding that note of, of each vegetable it being the, the, you know, the, the one to enhance and how to do that. That's her, her skill, obviously. And very much, you know, it doesn't need to be cooked. It, it, you know, using things raw and and literally sort of straight out of the earth or out of the garden or out of the polytunnel. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, she's um, she's wonderful to work with because she is so creative and it never seems to lapse at all. And she, you know, she likes we we try to capture that moment, as I said, you know, where. The peas are at their sweetest, that they're at most tender. And if it means the pot could be eaten, then so be it. You know, so it's it's very interesting. It's very hard work to grow like that. Yeah. You have to be very, very attentive and do all those little tasks that really you feel like you don't have time to do. But, yeah. you know, that's the detail. that, uh, And it's hugely creative. Yeah. And it's not just here's another year. We're just going to grow the standard things again. Just get out our sewing chart every year. It changes, and the emphasis changes, and and what you're sewing and growing changes. And 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 will you just give us a little tiny potted history of how you came across each other? Because I think it's rather a nice story. Yeah. Well, for many years I was, uh, you know, beetling up and down the M4, going to London with all the produce that we had to Borough Market at the beginning, and then to um, Spa Terminus. And it was, yeah, I did that every Friday night for 15 years. It was quite a, an undertaking. And I'd really wanted to kind of find a way of uh, not doing that anymore. But I didn't really know quite what that was going to be. And then one day, Sky came into uh, Spa Terminus and said, you know, would I be interested? Actually, she emailed me first. Would I be interested in supplying her restaurant? She was had been at Petersham Nurseries, and I think she'd taken a little break from that. And then she felt, had this opportunity to open a restaurant. She wanted to open a restaurant in central London. She wanted it to be a glamorous restaurant. And she she visited Chez Panisse in California. Absolutely. And where Alice Waters works with a farm, Bob Kennard, and um, Love Apple Farms. And she thought, that's what I want. Yeah. So she came back and uh, I think uh, she did some research and so on. And she'd heard about my produce and had really liked the way that I grow and, you know, the, the flavors and the varieties that I chose. So we met up and we had a chat and got on really well. And from there, we did all the spreadsheets and stuff. And uh, so it took about nine months for us to be supplying spring properly. Brilliant. I haven't looked back really. It's been. It's an amazing collaboration, and I love working with her. We uh, are soulmates for plants and food and, you know, that sort of thing. Yes. And how long ago was that now? About eight years ago. Yeah, I mean, time well. flies. Um, yeah, fantastic. And actually, it's a relationship that is getting more rather than less in that you've now, you're now doing – I know you were already consulting at Hetfield or leading, but now you're actually there. I am actually here. Um I've been in charge since September. Okay. Um, sort of as as the spring is uh, coming towards us, not quite there yet, yes. obviously. Yes. Coming towards, I I'm sort of wondering how I'm going to do both, but uh, fingers crossed, it'll be fine. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So I suppose I'd love to hear next about the course that you've done with Crit Academy and and talk us a little bit through the contents and then 
to move on and uh, talk about things that are at the forefronts of both our minds as sort of passionate vegetable growers, really. Yes. Well, the Create Academy, as you said earlier on, it's um, wonderful. I, I thought it was an incredibly good idea uh, to put online courses and for it to be really beautifully filmed as well. And so, and I, I decided that I would go for it and, and do it with them again, really because of the company that I was keeping, you know, the likes of Dan Pearson and, yeah. and so on, being part of that, part of the, the team there. Yeah. Yeah. So we, what happened was they came three times. We did filming for three days, three to four days at a time. Yeah. And I was very nicely guided. Um, about what to talk about and what to show. They knew what they were, really knew what they wanted. Yeah. And so what it was is really showing off the farm, I think. That mm. was a, a big part of it because I think people, you know, it's obviously it's very visual. Yes. And that's a lovely thing to share. And so we just, we talked through the seasons and it was my talking about how people could do, I'm on a reasonably large scale for sort of a hand Mm. Hand for you know we're, we're sort of about the people, not so much about the machinery and, yes. and the detail. Uh, how people could scale that and grow really lovely things biodynamically. You know, we uh, you don't have to. It doesn't matter where you do it. You just have to do it. Um, it you don't have to be a certain acreage or anything to do biodynamics. It's just a it's a philosophy and it's a way of doing something. So it was talking about that and showing people fairly simple things: how to sow, how to. I think approach your growing really and to, and and to really enjoy it and for it to be something that is beneficial in in many many ways. Yeah. And so you filmed all through the year so you did spring summer autumn. Yeah. So I suppose what I'd love us to turn to now is uh to fit in with this series that we're launching through the early part of this year anyway which is for people who are just sort of either busy or just kind of want a distillation of 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 our experts' knowledge down to their 12 uh, things that are really at the forefront of their minds. So it's sort of best of, which is a, a bit of a cheat in a way, but it's a shorthand just to deliver if there were 12 things that you wouldn't be without at this time of year, what would they be? So will you kick us off, Jane, with your number one? Yes. Um, this time of year, I think one is missing... Uh, you know the fresh, the fresh growth. You know the the yes. lovely soft leaves, so on. We've had cabbages and kales and and so on, and we kind of want to have that the new, as it were. So yeah. I think one of my big things is the butterhead lettuce. Yes, there are so many different varieties of lettuce, but the butterheads in the spring are probably the best. I mean, they really do have. If if you grow them in the height of summer, they just don't have the same flavour or taste mm. as the the ones grown in the cooler weather. So I would start those off. It's a little bit early now. I tend to not really start any kind of uh, germination until about the middle of February at at the earliest, when mm -hmm. the you know we're really racing to longer daylight hours. I mean that is the key as well. A lot of people think it's all about the warmth, but it isn't. It's the length of day and really sort of kicking off around about uh, Valentine's Day is when I might start something. And varieties wise, um, are there any that you particularly love? I love Marvel of Four Seasons. Yeah. I think that's yeah. one of the best. When yeah. it comes out as a polytunnel in May and we've had a sort of cool, a normal kind of spring, they are really, really soft, really soft, slightly sapoid leaves, beautiful for dressing 
um, they hold dressing well and do have a really buttery flavor, actually. And Adriana is another one that I think is super, super good. Dark, dark green. Mm. Butterhead lettuce, a real, uh, an absolute beauty. That, you know, that new growth spring green, it's that color and it just is so flavorsome, slightly blanched in the center, but sweet. And yeah, so it's a beauty. And just to um, help anyone out that doesn't know the difference of all the lettuce types. So, you know, a cos, as I'm sure lots of you know, is that bullet shaped one, which is very crunchy, which is often used in Caesar salad. And then you get round lettuce that are, are sort of more floppy, continental, loose leaf. But then butterheads are sort of somewhere between, aren't they? They're, they're ones that you do get a heart, but it's not, it's not so crunchy. It's it? soft and, it, and they're sort of heart shaped. And I, I guess it would be kind of more if you remember having sort of a salad with Heinz salad cream with tomatoes, yes. spring onions. It would be a butterhead lettuce. The, the cost is the height of summer, you know, like the iceberg is. You know, it's uh, it, different flavors for different times of year, really, I guess. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fabulous. So, so that's your number one. Mm. Number two? My number two is always celeria. Yeah. Because you need to get it going early because it takes a while to grow. And if you do it a little bit late, they can tend to be on the small side. And they're very annoying to cook with if they're on the small side. so true, so true. So we want to get them, you know, I mean, I guess it's sort of a grower's pride, as it were. You know, you do want to get a nice, you want it to be, you know, 700 grams if if you're lucky. Yeah. So I start that off in seed trays. Yeah. Just little seed trays. And, you know, you do need to sort of have germination has to be around 15 degrees to get it going. Okay. Uh, sprinkle those tiny, tiny seeds. So, you know, just watch yourself and you know, pull thousands out. But that's when I like to get going super early. Yes. So that when we come to harvesting it in um, early November, once it's had a little bit of frost, that it's a, a good size to cook with and handle. Yes, it's true. And also, um, I remember being taught by a very good organic grower that you need to space them well, don't you? Once you're, when you're putting them out, I was, I was putting them too close so they could never swell. They're hungry. They're hungry feeders, you know, and, uh, so like plenty of fertility and, uh, water at the right time, plus like everything really. But, uh, getting them at a reasonable size is, is a sort of grower's pride, you know. Uh, show me yours. Yeah. yeah. How big are yours today? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and then your next one is radish, I think. Yeah, I love I love radish and the restaurants love radish. It's mm. that crispy, you know, hot thing. And I don't think they're as hot as they used to taste. I mm. do remember others being hotter, but I like French breakfast. That's yes. my current favorite. But I do like to grow the colored ones. Um, we've got lots of uh, yellow ones and pink ones and there's a, a mix that you can buy called easter egg and it's exactly yes. that it's pink and it's yellow and it's white and it's you know so that's quite pretty particularly for the rest of but flavor wise i think the french breakfast is my favorite and there's another one that grows a long root which is called rosa and it's oh, beautiful yes. pink super super nice and that's very good it's very delicious as well but it's also very good for pickling and so on and, and looks very it's very presentable it's a very beautiful color and great flavor i like this i like radish a lot fabulous and then your next one sorry i'm feeding these because luckily you sent me them earlier is sima di rapa which i remember having been a 
waitress at the River Cafe 30 or so years ago, funnily enough. Yeah, I was. Um, uh, Sima de Rapper, I'd never even kind of heard of it, but I remember all the way through the winter, we used it all the time for particularly pasta sauces and things. Yeah, big favorite of, uh, it isn't something that's quite known here, um, but it's a really good one for a grower because it does come nice and early. At Heckfield here, we've got some in our polytunnel, and I'd say that in about two or three weeks' time, we'll be harvesting it. And we've also just sown some more. The one that's nearly ready was probably sown late October, but it's got a beautiful, it's not a hot, hot flavor. It does get hotter as it warms up, say in March and so on. That's when we don't grow it, but it's really, really beautiful flavor and sort of mustardy and hot, but not over the top. It's, the Italians use it a lot, probably because it's a time of year type of thing, but it's, it's a really beautiful, fresh growth flavor and it can be wilted on top of things lovely with cheese as well. Really good. And so that's so Sky would use it as a kind of wilted green and also with she would use it as, as a wilted green. And um one of my favorite things they do that at Heckfield here, they make these flatbreads in the restaurant hearth and it's mixed oh. with uh Telegio or Gordon Sola and it's heaven on earth. It's oh, so good. Oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And uh, delicious. I, I seem to remember that there are sort of ones that you can harvest in 60 days and, and 80 days and there are the, the, the Italian names yes. are, yeah. Yeah, there are, a, there are a few few varieties. Seeds of Italy sell yes. many varieties. Uh, now there is an organic variety that you can buy too from Tamar, um, which is only recent recent addition so it's obviously growing the popularity but it's very easy to grow you know so uh it's a very good beginner's vegetable and will fill you with confidence in your growing because it's very reliable yeah and and it's great sort of hungry gap crop isn't it as you said definitely so number five jane i think is rocket so i'd love you to talk us through the different rockets and um which and when and all that yeah i like rocket in the winter and mm. this is this is when I, you know otherwise I sort of find it a little bit sort of dull, but when it's grown in cooler temperatures, it grows mm. much larger. Yeah, it has a lot more flavour, um, and for me that's the time for it. And just ordinary salad rocket. I'm not so fond of the wild rocket. I don't mm-hmm. really understand what that's about particularly, and I don't think it grows as well as the. It doesn't taste as good as the salad rocket. There's yeah. one called Esme. Uh, yeah. which is a very nice variety. That's one I get from uh, the States. Very reliable. That actually behaves very well in the summer too. Um, and, you know, often you can you can sow it in sort of mid-autumn and yes. it will come up in the spring and then also go on to, to produce flowers. And the flowers are really yeah. beautiful and really tasty as well. It can be very hot, particularly if it's grown through quite a cold spell. Uh, it does something about the cold really enhances those hot flavors, which is something that I really look forward to to, to tasting after um, being in brassica land for so yes. many months. Yes, exactly. Okay, perfect. I, I agree. I absolutely love uh, Rocket at this time of year. Mm. And then and then the other salad leaves? The other salad leaves, you know, for sowing now, have to be quick growing. So it's the, all the different kind of mizunas. The regular mizuna goes super fast. Um, it's an odd one I would grow in the summer. It just tastes better. It it just likes the cooler conditions. So that and um, you know things like baby chard and baby beetroot, you'd have to 
uh, wait a little while for those. Those are very nice to have in the spring too, if you've drilled them, sown them in 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 the autumn. Sadly, says Miss America, a Mizuna type. It's got a really gorgeous, really dark dark purple colour. That's a really uh, very attractive looking one, and the golden frills and the purple frills. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's lots of the mustard varieties that you can grow and sow now. And that will come up. I mean, they might sort of sit tight for a little while until it warms up, but they they probably will jump. They will germinate in fairly cool temperatures. But yeah, for them to in the summer time, these things grow in the the rate of knots. You'll be harvesting within ten days, but wow, it takes a little yeah. bit longer, obviously, in the winter yeah. time. Yeah, I agree. You know, salad leaves are just something that I'm harvesting every day at the moment. I just absolutely love them. And then for something for sowing now, very much tomatoes and peppers are are the next category, aren't they? They are. I mean, I always try to hold back on sowing too early. Um, I've done it a number of times and you struggle with it and you'll fuss over these little seedlings that they really, really... You can wait. People say, no, you must sow your tomatoes at Christmas time and so on. Mm. I, I wouldn't do that. I would certainly wait till at least the beginning of March. Mm-hmm. And I think you, because if the weather gets damp and so on, yeah. then they damp off. And and you, if you do fuss over them all the time, and you you know quite often you overwater and it will all, uh, it's just such a waste of time. So it is really good to kind of just wait. So nothing before the beginning of March. Yeah. And again, we also far too many because we love them uh, and we're all seduced by all the varieties of which there are many and there's superb varieties. And if you want to grow an out, if you haven't got a polytunnel or a greenhouse, then the gardener's delight yeah. for me is an old time favorite, yeah. a, a very sort of classic English salad tomato, great flavor, great sweetness if we get the really warm weather, particularly good just at the beginning of September when they're. That's, I think, when tomatoes in this country are their very best yes. eating. But uh, otherwise, just yeah, sit tight and be patient. Uh, and the peppers too. Uh, they need the long season, so you really do need them to start early. But don't start too early because they're very delicate, very susceptible for the uh, uh, temperatures going up and down and so on, and the damp. So wait till March, nice sunny spot. Pop them on as soon as they, uh, you know, have got the third leaf, third, uh, third, fourth leaf. Yes. And uh, just look after it. Don't overwater and keep them warm and in a nice sunny spot. And one or two variety recommendations for a, for a pepper? For a pepper? Oh, Jimmy Nardello. That's our favorite yes. yeah. uh, here. Another one that came from the States and seems to be quite available over here now. Yeah. That's a red horned variety, isn't it? That's right, yeah, and it's really, really good. Uh, the head pastry chef at Spring gave me that tip to try those, and uh, she kind of brought some over from the States for me, and we tried those, and we've never really looked back on that. Yeah. And this year we're going to try the habanada, which is these beautiful small orange tomato uh, peppers, and they have warmth and heat, but they're not hot. Oh. They've got a kind of smokiness about them, and that's – something that will be nice and new. I do know I've tried them before, um, and I think maybe I sowed them too late, or I can't really remember the year that I did them in, but okay. they need a long time to ripen and to get to the flavor that they need. That's the problem with growing aubergines, say, and peppers yes. in this country. They need a yes. very long time. So we've got to have that nice warm autumn yes. that we don't always have. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
They were good this year. <laughs> Is yeah. that with an H? Yes, Habanada. Yeah, Habanada. I don't yeah. know that one. I'm, yeah. I'm writing that down yeah. myself for, to try it. <laughs> See it in your catalogue next next year. <laughs> well, maybe. And then um, moving on, so we've got turnips. Yep, baby turnips. Not too many. Uh, again, it's a bit like the radish. It's it's good when uh, at the right time of year. It would never be something I would grow in, in the summer. Uh, if I can get it sort of late winter, early spring, that's what we want. Uh, nice little crunchy Milan uh, purple-topped uh, yep. turnips. They're very nice. And I like them as young things. I'm not a big yeah. turnip eater. And, uh, and the tops are so good as well. So you can use them. The tops, like you might use Chima Darapa. Yeah. It is the same thing. Uh, you know, yes. they're the same, same family. family. Yeah. Yeah. And the tops are very good and very healthy uh, as well. It does make you feel like you've had some sort of lovely spring tonic. It's very good. Yeah. They're very tasty. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And so then on to peas and broad beans as number 10 and 11. Yep. You can start both of these early uh, in, in the autumn sort of early to mid-autumn. But I find that the varieties that are recommended to sow outside are not as delicious as the mm. summer varieties. So with the last couple of years, not so much this year, the last couple of years where we had super mild winters, um, I have sown quite a lot inside. What I'm trying to do is beat the Italian market. Yeah. I would like to have some broad beans and peas to eat in at the end of May, beginning of June. Yeah. So a couple of the, the best variety of broad bean I know is Hang Down Green. It's just not a very exciting name, but ah. they're really big pods, beautiful colors. Um, they grow very tall. They're very, very generous with what they produce. Um, I like those a lot. Epicure is another one, um, and Wittkeim is another one. Those three are big favorites of mine. I love broad beans, and uh, we pick them really young. And, you know, pick them at least three times a week. That's super important to keep that, that really young, beautiful, uh, young bean. The peas, Progress 9 is one of my favorites. Um, again, it's a really big pod with gorgeous peas. And I don't, I like them to be, what I say, teenage peas, I guess. Yes. Uh, yes. I don't like them when they go kind of marrowy later and they're very, they're quite sort of, they're quite, and the skins are tough, but. And I don't like them so much when they're tiny, tiny. It's when they're just in between and they're just sort of absolutely perfect. And yeah. you can eat them raw yeah, or just, you know, throw them into boiling water for like 30 seconds. Perfect. Lovely. And is Progress 9 quite a good tool variety? It is a tool variety. and need lots of support. Always more than you think. They always fall over. But uh, lovely long pods and, uh, yeah, are really... A very good yield one would get from the Progress Nine. Yeah, and I, I like Alderman for the same. You, have you Alderman, grown that? I haven't tried those. I have. I have heard uh, that they yeah. are very good. You know, again, just because they get so tall, so you have such a long cropping season because they keep growing and producing and growing and producing. The flowers are delicious, and even the little sprouts and the leaves that taste yes. like peas. You know, as part of a salad, you obviously pick the really new shoots, the tender ones. They're just divine. Yeah. Yeah. So number 12 is actually stocks. And are you yes. using those as an edible flower or as a cut flower? Or no. <laughs> no, I kind okay. of think I struggle to get my 12th, but 
I was thinking we were just about to start sowing stocks again at, at Heckfield Park Farm. We're very, very lucky to have a really nice big greenhouse where we can start things early and temperature control, an absolute dream. So we're going to start those quite soon. I love them as a flower. They're quite tricky to grow, but we we have an area where we can um, have some warmth here. So, And it sort of fills a gap where, you know, we've had the tulips and we've had the, um, you know, ranunculus and so on. And now we're yes. going to move into stocks and these, they're nice and tall. They're some yeah. fantastic colors and they smell beautiful. Yeah, I love them. And so you're doing the annual variety for that rather than the biennial. Yes. So you're not. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I buy a lot of them from Johnny C to the States. They have beautiful varieties, great colors, you know, apple blossom. Um, there's some gorgeous red ones, you know, sort of very velvety colored red ones. Yeah. And all sorts of colors. There's a, there's a violet one that I, yeah, always trying to find the perfect purple. Because purple yes. generally doesn't yes. tend to be great, but this one is soft and, and lilac-y. It's gorgeous. Okay, brilliant. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a lovely end to end with a cut flower crop rather than, so we've got 11 edibles and, and one cut flower. That's fabulous. Well, that's so uh, lovely. I just, I, I've taken tons of notes, Jane, as always, when I talk to you. I hope it was okay. It's rabbiting on us as usual. Lovely to <laughs> chat to you and thanks so much for coming on again. And well, no, thank you very much. Really good luck. And we'll see you again. Yes. yes. Thank yes. you. Bye, Jane. Thanks very much for listening to Grow Cookie to Range. I hope you enjoyed listening to Jane on Veg. I find her absolutely fascinating. Next week, we're going to go to flowers for good contrast. And one of my very, very favorite florists, Anna Potter from Swallows and Damsons, who's got a really very interesting and thought-provoking new book out called Flower Philosophy. I've loved reading it and I'm really looking forward to chatting to her about it next week. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com.